tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. This is part two, 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 two of our uh, two-part series on the infamous Carrington event of 1859. Shout out to our super producer, Casey Pagram. Shout out to our super producer, the one and only Max Williams. And spoiler alert, Steve Buscemi was in Armageddon. <laughs> yes, facts that we learned, as was Ben Affleck. Ben, uh, I know you listened to this story. As a fellow Ben, I'm sorry. I will do a better job of uh, memorizing your uh, what filmography. That's yes. the word, filmography. Huh? That's the word. So let's join our, ourselves already in progress. They had known that there would be re- regional disturbances could affect the system, but no one had ever experienced a disturbance of this magnitude, a global disruption. Like a lot of telegraph lines across the North American continent went out of service on the night of August 28th as the first of these solar storms struck. And we have accounts of at least two people who saw this disaster firsthand in the telegraph office. One was E.W. Colgan. He was a telegraph manager in Pittsburgh And he said the currents flowing through the wires were so powerful that they almost melted the platinum contacts they used and streams of fire were coming from the circuits, from the machines. And one guy was actually almost electrocuted. That's right. A telegraph operator by the name of Frederick W. Royce got a nasty shock to the forehead, actually, because a ground wire that had been knocked loose kind of brushed against him. And some onlookers noted that it created an arc of fire that jumped from Royce's head 
to the telegraph equipment itself. And other telegraph stations similarly reported massive, powerful power surges that caused uh, the telegraph paper itself to just catch fire, go up in flames and disintegrate. I mean, it's a hectic day at the office already. If you if you work at the, uh, I want to say telegraph factory. That's not true. These are telegraph stations. Telegraph factories would actually make the telegraphs. But I like the idea. And as you can imagine, people have thought this has got to be the worst that could happen, right? Stuff is literally catching fire. Good thing we made it through. But they didn't. They were wrong. Because on the morning of September 2nd, the mayhem and chaos resulting from that second storm made even more problems for telegraph operators. The American Telegraph Company employees arrived at their office in Boston around 8 a.m., and then they discovered that nothing was working. It was as though some gigantic invisible switch had been turned off. And the atmosphere in the area was so charged the operators discovered something astounding. If they unplugged their batteries, they could still, just based on the atmospheric charge, transmit messages to Portland, Maine, from Boston, Massachusetts, at 30 to 90 second intervals, just using the auroral current. That's pretty crazy. And that makes you wonder how much of that stuff is going through you, right? <laughs> Luckily, it didn't last forever. By 10 a.m. on September 2nd, the magnetic disturbance had quelled uh, at least enough so that stations could reconnect their batteries. But for the rest of the morning, transmitting messages was still a dicey proposition. Oh, and also wires on poles had enough energy, caught enough energy at least to light themselves on fire. The damage was pretty serious. By the time the storm was over, millions and millions of dollars in damage had been inflicted on the telegraphs. And when we say millions of dollars, we mean millions of dollars in 1859. So if we do a little bit of inflation calculation, we'll get a sense of the damage. <laughs> Oh, well, they, I, I think her calculator's feeling a little bit melodic today, Noel. You know what sound like? It sound like, take me on a trip, I'd like to go somewhere. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Uh, let's, let's, I hope it does that again in the future. Well, here's what that lovely little tune resulted in. $1 million in 1859 is equivalent to over $32 million today. And remember, this is multi-millions dollars worth of damage in 1859. Yeah, it was absolute chaos. Very, very disruptive. And we're going to get to what this would be like today a little later. I mean, thankfully, you know, this was, was you know, referred to by historians sort of tongue-in-cheekedly as the Victorian internet, right? This network of very rudimentary technology, but it really did kind of tie the world together in, in many, many ways in terms of being able, because, you know, it's important how quickly you can transmit news that gives people the advantage in many situations. It's very important. Think of how many movies, the plots and the, the twists wouldn't have even gone anywhere. People could only just pick up the phone and make a call. That used to be the world. You know, you used to not be able to let anybody know about anything any quicker than like sending a letter or like you said, Ben, a carrier pigeon would have been the quickest route. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like for a more modern example, 
One of my favorite things is the uh, cell phone problem of Seinfeld. It's mm-hmm. a great show. They're very lucky they wrote it when they did because most of the most of the plot complications in episodes of Seinfeld would have been easily solved had someone had a cell phone. 100%. Yeah, and there's probably lots of other examples of that in pop culture. And so, as we said, this disturbance was catastrophic but temporary. The telegraph system was not extinct. It was just damaged. It did eventually come back online. And so you'd think maybe things would calm down. But, Noel, it feels like it turns out that the telegraph system actually made people more panicked when it started to work again. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, no doubt, because like we said, the the speed at which this news was traveling contributed to the panic itself because they were filled with these very elaborate descriptions of this light show that was going on in the sky, 
all of the chaos that people were witnessing in terms of the sparks and the arcs and all of that. Let's not forget that the Telegraph Network was what fed news reporting. So once it went back online, you started getting these headlines popping up in newspapers across the world from literally like Europe to Australia. And there were all of these descriptions that were now starting to kind of get into the public imagination. You had one report from the Charleston Mercury in South Carolina from a woman on Sullivan's Island who said the eastern sky appeared of a blood red color. It seemed brightest exactly in the east as though the full moon or rather the sun were about to rise. It extended almost to the zenith. People really spoke well back then, didn't they, Ben? The whole island was illuminated. The sea reflected the phenomenon and no one could look at it without thinking of the passage in the Bible, which says the sea was turned to blood. The shells on the beach reflecting light resembled coals of fire. Yeah, yeah. And uh, here's what happened. Basically, everybody was panicking and the panic was exacerbated as they heard stories from other parts of the world via the telegraph system. People in the southern part of the U.S. were incredibly disturbed by the northern lights because they went so close to the equator that you could see them in Cuba and Jamaica. This is not normal, by the way. Elsewhere, there appeared to be like some genuine confusion. We talked about people getting up thinking it was morning, right? In the middle of the night in uh, South Carolina in a town called Abbeville, brick masons awoke and they went to their job site and they started working until they realized, holy smokes, we're in the wee hours of the day. Let's go back to bed. And it happened again in uh, Bealton, Virginia with Larks. They woke up at 1 a.m. and started to warble. Uh, unfortunate note for those Larks, there was a conductor at the nearby Orange and Alexandria Railroad who also woke up and uh, he shot three of them. He just didn't deal with stress very well, I think, which is surprising for a railroad conductor. That always seemed a very stressful occupation to me. Yes, stressful occupation, but also requiring a cool head to prevail, to keep right. the trains running on time. You know, you don't really think of a railroad conductor as someone that's like super on edge all the time and freaking <laughs> out because they got to keep their uh, their stuff together. All our railroad conductors are hired primarily on the basis of their emotional instability. These guys are unhinged at Orange and Alexandria, and people love it. People love it. And the effect of this was was so astonishing and so this fire in the sky kind of quality that some folks actually believed that cities nearby or other locations that were, you know, within a stone's throw were actually on fire. Yeah, and they and obviously they weren't happy about it. People were legitimately scared, and they had reason to be scared. They had reason to be panicked and alarmed and confused. And here's the kicker. If we have a little bit of an epilogue for this, it's been about oh, a century and a half since Richard Carrington made his observation. And in the time since, solar scientists following Carrington's path have studied what is now known as the Carrington event. And what they found was that so far, all the other evidence of similar storms hitting Earth that they could find uh, is uh, the storms were much less powerful than the 1859 storm. In fact, the Carrington event is believed to have been twice as big as any other solar storm in the last 500 years, at least the ones that hit Earth. So, Ben, does that mean we're, like, due for one of these things? 
Hey, it's a casino, baby. Roll the dice. Do we have to? I mean, we don't really have a choice, right? Here we are. um, And here we are in this world that relies so heavily on technology and things way more advanced and interconnected than this, um, you know, kind of almost like cup and and string approach that is the telegraph system. I mean, it's more than that. I'm I'm simplifying it to the extreme. But I mean, think about how much people freak out just when like Twitter goes down for five minutes, you know? I mean, really, they're like, I can't even, I am unconnected, untethered, adrift, not to mention things like E-Trade or like the stock market, like like literally these massive institutions that we depend on that run on the internet and require these systems to function in order for us to go about our daily lives. I always think of, it's a terrible movie, but um, Escape from L.A., the sequel to Escape from New York, you know, a snake Plissken and like a, you know, post-apocalyptic Los Angeles. Spoiler alert for a very bad movie. Uh, First of all, there's a scene where Snake Plissken is surfing and shooting a machine gun or something that is very clearly on a green screen. And it's like they just didn't even try and clean it up. It looks so bad. But it ends with him doing some kind of EMP type situation or it's some kind of satellite. It's like death ray satellite that kills all electricity on Earth, including batteries. I remember that detail is that it was also going to kill batteries. I don't know how that scientifically works, but, you know, essentially plunging the planet into the dark ages. This wouldn't do that. Obviously, there's systems in place that would, you know, backups and all of that, but it would absolutely cause mass panic and chaos if this happened to us today. Oh, no kidding. We almost got close in 2012. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? 
This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tail. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you are up on your dystopian disaster news, then you might have heard of this solar flare. It missed Earth's orbit by only nine days. And Noel, you are absolutely right. In a way, the Victorian era was better prepared for this eventuality than the modern era. Max, could we get some dystopian music? Yeah, 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 exactly. The kind that's like um, the little-known third film in the Escape franchise, Escape from Atlanta, which is entirely about Snake trying to make a left turn on Peachtree. It's three hours long. I love that regional (laughs) joke, man. That was absolutely (laughs) worth it. Um, But no, man, I mean, it really is something that we need to, you know, kind of not like live in fear of. I mean, as we've talked about on stuff that I want you to know, there's really no way to live. And again, I mean, you know, scientists are aware of this phenomenon, We know that, to quote Beavis, I believe, from Beavis and Butthead to America, the sun sucks, but it also is like the source of all life on the planet Earth. But it is a very powerful thing that we have no control over whatsoever. And Max, thank you for keeping that movie music going. Here's what happens. According to expert estimates, a Carrington-class CME today would cost between 0.6 and 2.6 trillion dollars worth of damage in the U.S. alone and could possibly wipe out, would definitely wipe out huge swaths of the global electric grid, but it could plunge the entire world into darkness. New England in the U.S. is especially vulnerable. Like you said, no electronic payment systems at grocery stores, gas stations, they'll crash. Post-pandemic, a lot of people are operating cashless, so you wouldn't be able to access the things you use for your daily life. ATMs wouldn't work. Television signals would be disrupted. Satellites would be disrupted. Planes flying over the ocean would have communication blackouts. They would all of a sudden be flying blind. Astronauts, you might think, would be especially vulnerable, but it turns out they have planned ahead. They have radiation-hardened little, uh, almost like solar panic rooms at the International Space Station. And if they had enough time, enough of a lead-up, they could also just enter their individual vehicles, leave the ISS, and come home. But, like you said, ma'am, we can't really live in fear of this. We just have to know that it's always in the cards, like a gamma ray blast, which is not going to turn us into a planet full of hulks. That would just, that would end us very quickly. Totally. But Ben, really, just, just to sew this up, I mean, we're, we're pretty much there, but the magnetosphere, right? We talked yeah. about that at the very top of the show. That is the naturally occurring, guess, you know, most of the protections on planet Earth are, uh, and all the things we're talking about today are, barrier around the planet that shields us from radiation, like from the sun. And yet these mass ejections are able to 
kind of just cut right through it like a hot knife through butter. What? Why is that? Uh, and 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 is there something that we should be more concerned about about the depletion of of the uh, you know this magnetosphere? Yeah. So the magnetosphere is incredibly important to life on Earth. It does protect us from radiation. It protects us from a lot of the plasma emitted by the sun, which is, you know, for convenience sake, one AU away from us. You can see simulations of how these solar events affect the magnetosphere on places like NASA, space.gov. So here's what happens. When the CME is moving towards Earth, right? And it reaches it. There's this shock wave of traveling mass. Because remember, this is tons of stuff. And this disrupts Earth's magnetosphere by compressing it on what we can call the day side and then extending it on the night side, extending its magnetic tail. And then when the magnetosphere reconnects, it releases power on this terawatt scale, and that is directed back towards Earth's upper atmosphere. So that's what it's doing. It's pushing the magnetosphere. Yes, I got it. So I definitely not, you know, obviously the ozone is its own thing, but uh, we're probably relatively safe overall from the sun's radioactivity, right? Well, as safe as we can be, you know what I mean? The sun is also my ancient nemesis, so (laughs) I never trusted it. But, you know, it's done good work. It has done good work. That's inarguable. Uh, And if anything, this uh, lets us appreciate how fortunate we are in so many of our our day-to-day lives. Right now, as we speak, a lot of scientists spend a great deal of time trying to better predict the possibility of these solar events and also to figure out ways to better protect humans and all our human toys from an angry, tantrum-prone sun. Yeah, and it's one of these things where, you know, (laughs) we'd like to believe in the past, you know, that science has kind of been the voice of reason in the room with this kind of stuff, and that people in charge listen to scientists. But unfortunately, we've spent a long time in a uh, society and in a period where scientists have kind of been shoved aside, right? And maybe not listened to as they should. Hopefully, we're we're moving away from that a little bit. But this stuff matters, right? Yeah, absolutely. We are currently on solar cycle 25, or the sunspot cycle is believed to be about 11 years long. Cycle 24, the one that just ended, uh, was uh, kind of weak. It had fewer sunspots than usual. And this has led experts to believe that cycle 25 may uh <laughs> cycle 25 may be the big one it may actually be the strongest on record and these again are experts these aren't quacks who are saying this one of the biggest predictions is that uh things could be especially dicey as we reach the solar maximum in 2025 so we've got some time to plan no we've got some time to plan our action movie characters i want an eye patch what about you um, yeah, you could be the Snake Plissken to my Steve oh, he Buscemi. Doesn't. He does have an eye patch. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Well, Steve Buscemi, who else was in? Who Who is the crew in uh, Armageddon? There's definitely Bruce Willis. Yeah. Was there Steve Buscemi? And why am I losing my mind here? Hold on a second. Armageddon 
cast. I don't want to miss a thing. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. He's the good looking one. Billy um, Bob Thornton. That's Billy that. Bob Thornton. He's also pretty good looking, admittedly. We've got Liv Tyler is in it, but I swear to God, there was some kind of, there was a ragtag band of, uh, of these, of these dudes. Uh, let's see. We've got Billy Bob, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, Will Pass, Steve Buscemi as yeah. Rockhound. Yes. So I will be, I'll be the Rockhound to your snake plissken. <laughs> and there we have it. We'd love to hear uh, what your plans are for 2025, what action movie character you would be in this uh, dystopian, but hopefully temporary scenario. Oh no, I said the S word. Noel, we've got to wrap it up. Thanks everybody so much for tuning in. Shout out to our super producers, Casey Pegram and Max Williams. Huge thanks to Alex Williams, the uh, uh, the Owen Wilson to uh, Max's Luke. Or vice versa, whichever, I don't know. We'll have to let them decide. Um, who composed our theme? Alex mm. did. In fact, huge thanks to Christopher Hasiotis here in spirit. Eves, Jeff Coates, Jonathan Strickland, the notorious quister who shall be returning very soon, though it really has nothing to do with anything that we want or don't want. He's kind of just something that happens to people, you know? Like a CME. And of course, thanks to our own angry son, Gabe Luzier. Noel, this was a good one. And, you know, I'm glad we took the time to make this a two-parter because we're literally talking about the end of the world as we know it. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad it took the time to make it an acceptable and reasonable two-parter. So now we don't have to do another episode. (laughs) (laughs) We always want to do another episode and why not do some more about the end of the world? Let us know your favorite end of the world stories. Ridiculous at iHeartMedia.com. Swear to God, it works this time, y'all. We've tested it uh, and double tested it, and it, in fact, does transmit information to both Ben and I, and Max, in fact. And speaking of of end-of-the-world scenarios, a little tease for our next episode, it involves something kind of resembling a plague of locusts. Um, We'll just leave it at that. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.